0: This is Chagos, an archipelago in the Indian Ocean. People who grew up on the islands describe life there as idyllic. Life in Chagos for people was like living like one family. Everything we share, even the food we cook, We share. If there's a problem, there's always someone to help. Now it's home to a U.S. military base. So how did this happen? 50 years ago, the U.K. kicked off Chagos' residence to create their last African colony. Then they leased that land to the U.S. for their military base. Now, a new year-long investigation says Chagosian's forced displacement amounts to crimes against humanity.
1: The United Kingdom is committing an ongoing colonial crime. This crime could be ended today by the United Kingdom and the United States if they said the Chagossians have the right to return home right now.
0: And Chagossians are still fighting to go back. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. In this episode, you'll hear the voices of Chagosians who were forced to leave their home islands, and from someone who's followed this case from courtrooms in London to villages in Mauritius for the last 20 years.
1: I'm Clive Baldwin. I'm Senior League Advisor with Human Rights Watch and lead author of our recent report on the crimes against the Chagosian people.
0: So, Clive, you spoke to dozens of Chagosians. How did they describe life on the islands before 1965?
1: The Chagossians we spoke to described life on Chagos as paradise for them. Chagossians can remember life as children, some as young adults. They describe it as a place where they could get food, their families were there.
0: Here's how one woman, Noela Gaspar, remembers life on the islands. We lacked nothing because in Chagos, we never missed anything. Our mom knew how to fish, we would plant, we cultivated our own food and raised animals. We did not face poverty there.
1: They were living there before their deportations, many of them working for company coconut plantations. Now the Chagosian people, they are distinct people, mostly the descendants of formerly enslaved people who were brought from Africa to... Chagos and uh, French and British colonial rule, and also descendants of indentured labourers who were brought there after slavery, mostly from South Asia. But over those decades, many years living there, they did create their own distinct culture. Yeah, my boy, she, boy, she, Baba. Distinct form of music, which has been recognised by UNESCO, distinct language, Chagosian Creole, and they would describe how particularly on every Saturday after work, Chagossians would get together, would tell stories, would have their music and dancing.
0: That's how another Chagosian woman, Roseman Bertan, described it. She was born on one of the islands in 1955.
1: Every Saturday, people would come together for the SEGA. Everyone would dance together. It was a great life.
0: So, Clive, there were around 1,500 Chagosians living on the islands in 1965, until there weren't. How did the UK forcibly remove a population of that size?
1: So, first of all, what happened is the UK gave instructions to the administrators of the coconut plantation company which still essentially ran Chagos to stop people returning to Chagos who left temporarily. One example being a brother and sister we spoke to who said they were living as children with their parents on Chagos. Their little sister was injured In an accident on Chagos, they had to take her to Mauritius, hundreds of kilometers away for urgent medical care. Very sadly, um, a month or so later, she died of her injuries. Mm. But then, having gone through this, the mother was told, no, you can't go back. It's not possible anymore. The islands have been sold.
0: Wow. So compounded trauma on trauma. You leave not thinking this is going to be the last time that you see your home and then there's no way to get back to that home.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we had stories like this of people who'd gone away not knowing that might be the last time they saw their family on Chagos or would be separated for years. Then what the British authorities did with the full collusion of the Americans was make life difficult. Stop teachers coming, nurses would stop coming, medical supplies would stop coming. Towards the end, food stopped coming. So people's lives got worse and worse. And it was done to force people to leave.
0: This went on for years. It would become harder and harder to live on Chagos. And once you left, you couldn't return. But still, there was a population on the islands until the U.K. issued a memo saying that everyone must go to make way for the U.S. military base on Diego Garcia, the biggest of the Chagos Islands.
1: What was particularly horrific then is that dogs were rounded up. A British official, the administrator of Chagos, he said every dog must be killed. And the person who had to do this wrote later how terrible he felt, but he rounded the dogs up. Tried shooting them, that couldn't work. Tried poisoning them with meat, that didn't work. In the end, rounded all the Chagossians' dogs up on Diego Garcia, put them in a barn and used American military vehicles to gas them. And all the dogs died.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And Chagossians say they felt that this was going to be them next, so they felt obliged to leave. People have described how difficult the voyages were, particularly those final ones. A few ships came and took the remaining Chagossians away to Seychelles and Mauritius. And these journeys could last days, even weeks, and on one trip, For example, Trigossians would say they were put in the hold. And some would say that their ancestors were enslaved people on ships. Mm -hmm. And how terrible the conditions were being stuck in the hold of a ship for weeks, taking you away from your home forever.
0: Rosemont, who you heard from earlier, was on one of those late voyages in 1972.
1: I know it was the slaves they took from Africa to Mauritius with their hands and feet chained. We were the same, but they didn't have time to put on the chains. Our chains were invisible. On one ship, the same British governor who had ordered the killing of the dogs ordered that the horses on the island should be saved. Oh. So they were put on the top deck and the was beneath.
0: I want to bring in a little bit of geography here to situate people. We are in the Indian Ocean between the islands of Mauritius and Chagos. They're more than a thousand kilometers apart. Before 1965, the Chagos Islands were administered by Mauritius, and Mauritius was a UK colony. But it's the 1960s and Mauritius wanted to join the wave of decolonization that was happening at that time.
1: The time has come for a break in the old relationship between Britain and the Malay states. After 68 years of British administration, Kenya becomes a sovereign African nation. Mauritius, in the Indian Ocean, is on her own after a century and a half of British rule.
0: The UK wanted to hold on to the Chagos Islands in particular. Why did they need to kick off Chagosians for it to happen?
1: So there's different stages. The first was... The United States decided in, in the early 1960s that Chagos will be a good place to have a military base, and specifically their largest island, Diego Garcia.
0: Around this time, the U.S. is in the middle of the Cold War, and the U.K., one of its staunchest allies, was leaving parts of its empire behind.
1: The U.S. and the U.K. planned this in secret. They then asked the Mauritian government, or rather forced them, to hand over Chagos, to detach it from Mauritius. Before Mauritius got independent, the UK created its own new colony, the British Indian Ocean Territory, now the UK's last colony in Africa. The reason they displaced the entire population was... First, that the United States didn't just want a military base, they wanted a military base without people. There was an idea of what they called a strategic island.
0: And the location of those islands was strategic, with easy access across Africa and Asia.
1: They wanted what they would consider secure locations, without people who might object. And particularly, of course, in locations of the world where they thought the people didn't matter or could easily be removed. That was the first stage. The second stage was that the United Kingdom then thought it should remove the entire population of Chagos from every island because it didn't want to have to report to the United Nations about its responsibility for a colonised population. So it lied and said there was no permanent population there or temporary contractual residence. So the other reason, which is even made explicit in some of the documents, is the racism. It was because the Chagossians were seen as a people who didn't matter.
0: So let's talk about those documents in a little bit more detail, because in the 50 years This year, since the last Chagossians left their home islands, those documents have been released showing what the UK did in order to make this claim, that there was no permanent presence. I want to read one quote here from one of the released documents. The object of the exercise is to get some rocks, which will remain ours. There will be no indigenous population except seagulls. It goes on. Another Unfortunately, along with the birds go some few Tarzans. As someone who has been doing this work for a while, were you surprised at all?
1: I myself have heard about these words before. 20 years ago, I was in court in London when the Chagossians took the United Kingdom to court. And those words were read out and they shocked the judges in court at the time Mm. and they are shocking but they're also just an illustration of the racism which was behind the treatment of the Tchaikovsians and what we've said in our report is that this is one of the crimes against humanity that's been committed this case by the UK.
0: Clive's report for Human Rights Watch found three crimes against humanity committed. One was the forced displacement of the Chagosians by the U.S. and U.K. as state policy. The second is the U.K. preventing the Chagosians from returning to this day. And the third...
1: It's the crime of persecution of a people on the grounds of race.
0: Mm. Do you think that racism also helps explain why the U.S. military argued that it couldn't have a base with the resident population still there because the U.S. military has bases all over the world where residents of that place are still allowed to live.
1: Yeah, that's quite true. And there's less documents about the U.S. involvement. Since the 1960s and 70s, they've kept their position very quiet.
0: Mm.
1: So the clear evidence, not just of racism, but of a crime against humanity of racial persecution is against the UK. But it's also true that the United States has bases around the world very close to major cities, and they don't object to residents living there. And that also goes for the United Kingdom. It is no coincidence that... The residents of Cyprus, residents of the Falkland Islands, are predominantly of European origin. The Chagossians are being treated very, very differently in a somewhat similar situation.
0: After the break, a look at the fight Chagossians have been waging for justice. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for
1: Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera we meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So, Clive, you mentioned that you were in court 20 years ago when some of these details were made public. Over the last several years courts have sided with the Chagosians, calling what the UK did unlawful. And that includes everything from British courts to UN maritime courts to the International Court of Justice. What is taking so long for actual justice?
1: The UK government has, for 23 years now, since it lost the first main case the Chagossians brought, the UK government has expressed its regrets
0: but the government didn't take any action, so the International Court of Justice got involved. Here's the presiding judge, Abdul Qawi Ahmed Yusuf, in 2019. The United Kingdom is under an obligation to bring an end to its administration of the Chagos Archipelago as rapidly as possible. And here's the Solicitor General representing the U.K. during that case. He said the U.K., Fully accepts the manner in which the Chagossians were removed from the Chagos archipelago and the way they were treated thereafter was shameful and wrong, and it deeply regrets that fact.
1: These regrets have led to virtually nothing for Chagossians.
0: But before that, Clive says there was a window of hope. In 2000, the UK government lost a case in its own court, and they agreed to allow Chagosians to return to their islands, except for Diego Garcia, which is where the base is. But four years later, the British Crown got involved. Queen Elizabeth issued something called an order in council.
1: Orders in council are this device often used in the British Empire to avoid going through the British Parliament. This order legally blocked them again from being able to return home. And every attempted court case then has eventually failed.
0: In November of 2022, the U.K. announced it would begin negotiations with Mauritius about the future of the islands. But these negotiations are with Mauritius, not the Chagosian people themselves. What is Human Rights Watch calling for?
1: So Human Rights Watch is calling for the UK and the United States to provide the full reparations to the Chagossian people for the harms they have inflicted on them. Chagossians talk about being de racine in Creole, means uprooted, losing your homeland. People would die young and they would say they've died of Chagrin means of being broken, of having lost their homeland. And this is what reparations need to, they can't restore that, but they need to compensate for it.
0: Clive says the Chagosians he spoke with overwhelmingly want their right to return respected. Rosemann, who you heard from before, had this to say. I love my island. Even if you put me in a castle, I don't
1: want that. I would prefer my small house made of straw where I can rest.
0: I prefer my home. When asked about the report, a U.S. State Department official said, In a manner of which uh, the Chicojans were removed is regrettable. In a letter to Human Rights Watch, the U.K. government echoed the same. But Human Rights Watch is calling for King Charles to personally issue an apology.
1: It means that these atrocities are acknowledged as crimes, as colonial crimes, and there's an accountability for it. The key point about reparations is that it needs to be discussed with, involved with, the Chagossian people themselves, and that decisions are not made about them, without them, that every part of reparations is discussed and agreed with them, including any full apology.
0: And that's The Take. Special thanks to Human Rights Watch and to Olivier Benkoul, Eileen Talat, Noela Gaspar, and Rosman Bertan. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliay, with Miranda Lynn, Khaled Sultan, Chloe Kaylee, Lee, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Andy Greiner and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.